Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Roundtable. This is our second of four preseason podcasts, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Uh, I'm Steve. I'm the resident, uh, or one of the resident Arsenal fans. You can find me at Fine Pub Sport on Twitter or on Facebook, uh, and also at FinePubSport.com. Hi guys, I'm Jim. I'm the Leicester City uh, representative for the EPL Roundtable. Uh, you can get me on Twitter at Jim Knight 88 All right, thanks so much for joining us, guys. Steve, we haven't had an Arsenal fan on thus far, so can you kind of catch us up on what's been happening at Arsenal this off season, and are you pleased with what's been going on? Uh, yeah, really pleased actually. Um, I mean, as you may remember from last season, I'm not exactly one of the down in the dumps Arsenal fans that you might hear of on Twitter, but. Um, and that's at the worst of times. But this season has been very, uh, or this preseason, I should say, has been very encouraging. Um, in terms of incoming signings, uh, there's been a couple of youth players, but the headline, the one headline signing, signing has been Petr Cech, who is a superb signing. It's always good to get one over on uh, Jose Mourinho before the season's even started. Um, he didn't want Cech to leave because he knows what qualities he brings, and that's not simply. Uh, a world-class goalkeeping performances, which he does have the ability for, but it's the stability, the calmness, the experience that he'll bring in at the back, um, which uh, sometimes has been missing uh, from the goalkeepers we have had. I mean, Chesney and Aspina, good, good goalkeepers both, um, but I think Czech is uh, another layer above that. Um, and it just adds to a squad that looks really good um, in terms of depth going into this season. I mean, if you look... I won't list all the names because it would take a long time because it's quite a big squad. But if you look at every position across the back four, through the midfield and up front, there are, there's coverage for every position now, um, which we haven't had. And if we can keep everybody fit, which is the uh, the, the uh, most common Arsenal fan hope for this season, or if we can keep the majority of people fit throughout this season, uh, then that squad should uh, should see us do quite well this season. Uh, Chesney has confirmed his move to Roma. Um, there's lots of debate as to whether that spells the end of his time at Arsenal because he won't come back. Um, but I think personally that uh, Ospina is more likely to move on uh, at some point, at, w- at which point Chesney will come back uh, and uh, he'll fight Czech for a place as Czech ages over the next few years. So it's that we're actually quite well set up in the goalkeeper position now going forward. I think. Um, aside from that, as I say, not many um, not many signings apart from uh, in the youth ranks, but hopefully that should lead to a certain amount of cohesion that uh, we showed towards the end of last season. Cohesion is a word, a favourite word of Arsene Wenger at the moment. Um, and he would rather wait and see if 
a real top quality person comes along for the striker position or the defensive midfield position. And he'll probably go for someone if they do. But if they don't, then he won't because we've got the players there. There's no point bringing in a mediocre um, or a middling striker just to boost the numbers when we've got uh, Walcott's proving that he can play up there. We've got Giroud, obviously, well back to come back from injury. Sanchez can play there if needs be. Um, and in the defensive midfield position, everybody was crying on about that at the end of last season, how we'd need to add depth there. But the fact is that uh, Miguel Arteta spent most of last season um, on the sidelines due to injury, and he's quite underrated in that position as well, I think. Plus, uh, in pre-season, of all people, Santi Cathola has looked really good in deep-lying midfield uh, role. Um, it, it would be something that we'd have to do against the teams that have less of a, th a less of a threat up front. But he does look very good there in terms of um, of spreading the ball about and, and being the deepest line midfield. So we've just got strength in depth up and down uh, the squad at the moment, which is excellent stuff. The key, I think, this season is going to be getting rid of some of the naivety that we've showed at times. Um, my mind goes back in particularly to the home leg against Monaco in the Champions League last year, where we got ourselves back into a tough game at 2-1 down and then managed to give up a third goal, which ultimately knocked us out um, just because we were going forward and pushing for an equaliser and, and we just forgot how to defend for a minute. So so hopefully um, with that added squad depth, as I say, and fingers crossed a better fitness record, we can improve on last season. Um, and by improve on last season, we'd hope for a sustained challenge for the Premier League title. We'll need a better start than last season to do that. Um but if we can start better than we did last year, then there's no reason why we can't fight till the end. Um, if if we don't win it, I don't think it will necessarily be a failure. Uh, I'd expect us to be in the top three or four, obviously. But um, but I, I just want to challenge at least until the end. And that would be progress. I mean, there can only be one league winner and four or five, maybe five teams. Um will contend for it this year and five into one doesn't go there can only be one winner and four lots of supporters are going to be disappointed come the end of the season so if we can just mount a challenge that remains consistent and we can be there or thereabouts at the end of the season again that's another season of progress if we can also push on further in the Champions League and have another cup run although three in a row might be uh, pushing it uh, pushing our luck a little bit um, then I think that will be very good as well. In terms of what's been going on for pre-season, um, we're going for a treble. I don't know if you guys are aware of this. We're going for the pre-season <laughs> trophy treble. Um, we've already won the Asia Trophy um, and uh, the Emirates Cup uh, without Sanchez, which is a big addition to come back into the squad as well. And Welbeck as well, actually, as I say, he's mm. coming back from injury. Um and uh, the big one, the big final uh, nail in the treble coffin, as it were, is the uh, Community Shield uh, coming up this Sunday against Chelsea, which will, which will be a big game. Because if we win that treble, then basically our season's done. Don't need to do anything else. So yeah, don't really need to start the new season. You, you've already won the off-season, right? Exactly, exactly. We've won the off-season, and what could be more valuable than that? Um, but, I mean, I've been, take, I've been watching quite a lot of the pre-season stuff, um, and taken quite a lot apart from it because if you look at the results, we've been scoring a lot of goals in in spite of our supposed need for a striker. Um, those goals have been coming from all over the pitch. 
uh, as well. So from the strikers, from midfield, from the wings, um, from defence as well. So there's a lot of goals flying in and in games against, okay, Singapore 11, not going to be much of a challenge, but against Everton, Wolfsburg and Lyon, uh, we haven't conceded a goal in pre-season, which says a lot about the defensive stability that we now have, not just with Mertesacker and Koscielny, but also um, Callum Chambers and Gabriel, or Gabriel, depending on how you want to say his name, played together a couple of times as well, and they look like a good partnership as well, that work well with each other. So we'll have to see how that um, translates to the Community Shield, first of all, and then the Premier League start going forward. But... Um, if it fulfills its promise, then Arsenal should be a force to be reckoned with this season. I'm keeping my fingers crossed for that. I'm keeping my fingers crossed, first of all, for a good match on Sunday against Chelsea. It'd be good to get the uh, Jose Mourinho monkey of Arsene Wenger's back before the competitive stuff starts. Um, mm. And it could be a good indication um, as to how we're going to do this season. But that being said, we absolutely battered Manchester City last season in the Community Shield. Uh with one of the most flowing performances I'd say we had last season, or particularly in the first half of last season, only to really struggle to beat Crystal Palace. No disrespect to Crystal Palace, but it was a home game to start the season and and, and having battered Man City, as I say, we were expecting to, uh, to carry on that form. So read into that what you will as to what the Community Shield actually means. Um, but fingers crossed, as I say, if the season fulfills its promise and the squad fulfill their promise and we don't get too many injuries, uh, then Arsenal should be challenging on, on all fronts throughout the season. So, hooray. Yeah, obviously there are going to be a lot of, not to Americanize it, but positional battles uh, to see who will be starting for you at the start of the season. For the wing-backs, obviously you have a lot of options with Debussy and Chambers and now Bellerin. On the other side, you have Gibbs and Monreal. Who, who do you think is going to be your, your back for match day one? Match day one, um, I think it'll be Monreal, Debussy and Murtishelny in the middle. Um, I think that will be our, our main back four with, obviously, Czech to back them up. Um, there's a lot of experience there, um, good, solid foundation. But the fact that we have uh, the backup of Chambers, Bellerin, Gabriel, Gabriel, whatever his name is, um, and uh, who am I missing? Gibbs, Kieran Gibbs, um, puts us in good stead dis defensively this season, I think. But I, I think it'll be Monreal, Debussy, and Murtishelny in the middle. The only the, the biggest question mark is Debussy versus Bellerin because Bellerin came on leaps and bounds last year, uh, and he may uh, Wenger may put Bellerin in there for his pace, uh, given that the rest of that kind of back four um, aren't as pacey as Bellerin. But then not many people are. So, all right. Well, thank you for that, Jim. You were in our off-season special, but a lot has still happened at Leicester since we last spoke. Uh, namely the appointing of Claudio Ranieri as your new manager. How did you like that appointment? Um, it was kind of out of left field a little bit. I think when we spoke last, I was saying how the owners were quite set on a name, seemingly. So a big, high-profile manager with some gravitas and some uh, some reputation to go with him. And I suppose Claudio Ranieri, in, in a sense, fits that bill. Um 
the fact that he hasn't managed in the Premier League for a, a decade essentially since he left Chelsea in 2004 is is a little bit of a concern because I think that the game has moved on so much in that time that it could take a little bit of adjustment and to be honest, we only just scraped up last year. I don't think we've got any kind of cushion to work with this year to um, familiarise ourselves managerially with the league before we start slipping behind the pace. So I'm hoping that um, it doesn't take too long to get up and going. Uh, we haven't actually signed anyone since he came in, which um, is a little bit concerning because there are still plenty of holes in the squad that need to be filled not less I think I suppose the big news apart from the managerial appointment of Claudio is um, the departure of Esteban Cambiasso who decided not to renew his contract I think there was an offer out there before Pearson uh, left the club and then another one once Claudio Ranieri took over um, he's worked with Ranieri before it into Milan when he was there at the San Siro so you know what that says about his um, managerial style and and whether they didn't get on or whether Cambiasso just thought a fresh challenge was in order because he can still play at a very very good level as uh, demonstrated last year but maybe he just thought after the miraculous escape that he was a big part of last season not to to tarnish that legacy um, and to start with with passages new so you know it's a shame that we can't keep hold of him because I've said it before and I'll say it again he's he's the best Leicester City player I've ever seen in the shirt so it's a shame to lose a player like that especially when he was so influential in a relatively inexperienced squad at the, at the top level um, as we've still got to be honest we've added a few uh, players but in terms of Premier League experience it's still very very raw and you know the lads that a lot of the players had their first experience of the top level of English football last season um, so we're hoping that Maybe that's not too much of a blow. I think there's still plenty of transfer business to be done after the uh, midweek games that we played against Burton on Tuesday and then Rotherham on Wednesday, uh, both of which we won uh, 2-1. We've got um, apparently some some signings in the works. Ranieri was saying he was hoping there'd be some deals to be completed uh, before the end of the week. So hopefully keeping our eyes peeled for... For some new arrivals, we've been linked with plenty of, of big names, which will happen when you're a club like us, where people know that you need reinforcements and we've got a bit of money to throw around. And the new manager, obviously, is looking to stamp his authority on the squad. Um, so it's it's going to be a hectic few weeks. It's a little bit concerning that we're only 10 days away from the start of the season and I still think we're very, very light in midfield, particularly because of Matty James's um, kind of long-term injury. So that leaves us a central midfielder short and... Cambiasso leaving as well so we basically two midfielders short of where we were last season um, and as much as I think Danny Drinkwater and uh, Dean Hammond and, and Andy King and players of that ilk are, are you know good good players I'm not sure they're quite up to running a Premier League midfield on their own quite yet I think there's a big gap to be filled there in terms of someone who's experienced and able to be a cool head in the midfield which is uh, relatively inexperienced at that level. So that's the big hole at the moment. We've still got one too many strikers, so I'm expecting one of the strikers to either leave or um, accept that they're not going to get many games this year because of the fact that we've got seemingly five strikers and you can't accommodate that, particularly when you're only going to be playing one or two at at once. Um, There aren't many outgoings. The only outgoing, I think, major-wise was... um, Ben Hamer, who's our backup goalkeeper anyway, who's gone to 
Nottingham Forest are kind of local rivals as such on on loan in the Championship. Um, so yeah, there there could well be a, a goalkeeping um, addition coming in as well because of that. We're going to need cover for Casper Schmeichel, um, or even a contender for the number one shirt. I don't think many people have um, you know thought that that could be an option if Claudio Ranieri's got his eye on a goalkeeper that he thinks could um, could take us to that next level. Um, it depends who it was. I can't see it being a particular popular decision, but it depends who who the name was. Um, so, yeah, I mean, pre-season has, has gone as well as it can results-wise. We've done okay. We've won all of our games, but they've been against second-tier or third-tier opposition. Um, you can never read too much into that. And, you know, it's it's always about fitness as opposed to anything else, I guess. Um, yeah, there's not a lot else to report, to be honest. We're, we're still waiting on the signings. So hopefully next time that I come on, we'll have a few more players to discuss and talk about. Um, we'll probably still need a centre-back as well, at least one, if not two, because Matthew Upson's left. Um, didn't really do much for us last year either, but it's kind of that cover at, at centre-back. Um where we struggled, even though we bought Robert Huth in on a permanent deal now, I still mm. think we're maybe a centre-back or two light. So I think those two areas are the ones that Ranieri's going to be looking to strengthen in. I think we're OK wide now in both defence and attack. I think it's just uh, that, that central spine of the team that needs improving. So he's got a big job on to uh, to get the players in and get them into the squad and up to speed before we kick off. And uh, it's only a week and a half away, which is causing me heart palpitations as I talk about it now because just thinking about going into that game against Sunderland with the team that we've got is uh, making me a little bit nervous. Yeah, I definitely understand that feeling of nervousness. Uh, I'm not going to go through the whole offseason again for the third time this summer. I think that might be a bit much. Uh, but I did just fly back from Denver where I got to see Tottenham face the MLS All-Stars. And uh, you're kind of, yeah, we're starting the season in 10 days. Yeah, we're opening that at Old Trafford against Manchester United. And if we play, we did the first half against the MLS All-Stars. We'll be down about 10-0 at half. Um, the, the defense was just a shambles. The players looked like they'd never played together before. It was really shocking. Christian Eriksen looked much like he did at the end of last season, kind of just wandering and, and not really impacting the game much. Moussa Dembele was doing his whole, you can't get the ball off of me thing, but he doesn't notice that people are starting to think, why would we want to get you off the ball if you're just going to sit there with it and allow our defense to kind of get back into position. Uh, it was pretty disappointing. Uh, the uh, best thing about it was the kids looked great in the second half. Looked much better than our actual starters. Uh, Harry Kane did have a great finish. Uh, probably could have had two or three more goals, if not for a pretty surprisingly great match from uh, Nicky Raimondo, who has been disappointing at times for the U.S. national team, but but had a very good night last evening. Um the most exciting players for me were, were Kieran Trippier and Toby Alderweireld. Um, Alderweireld came in, what, two or three weeks ago? And he was the only person that looked like he had a clue what our defensive scheme was, uh, which is pretty surprising considering he's kind of the newest there. Vertonghen looked kind of out of sorts. Uh, we were trying to do, Barcelona do this, I'm sure others do as well, where you split your center backs when you're playing out through the back to kind of spread things out a little bit. And it didn't really seem like it was working. We had Dyer. Uh, playing in the midfield, dropping back to kind of make a back three with Kyle Walker and at the time Ben Davis uh, going forward. But uh, it all got much better once we started making substitutions. We brought on Kieran Trippier, uh, who we obviously acquired from Burnley, and there have been a lot of questions about whether or not he was going to be able to beat out uh, Kyle Walker for that right back spot. And based on last night, he absolutely has to. 
I, I'd say nine of the ten crosses he sent in were in very dangerous areas, probably accurately connected four or five of them. Um, if he's not starting day one uh, against United, I, th I think we've made a mistake. I do appreciate Kyle Walker's pace and how long he's been at the club and stuff, but defensively, he's never had a mind for it. He just had the pace to make up for his mistakes, and Kieran Trippier not only looked good going forward, but also staying back. Um, and, and so I was very excited by that. Uh, like I said, also impressed by Alderweireld. Um, and Della Ali had himself a game. He really did. Once he came on, uh, the guy that was sitting next to me said, it's like Moussa Dembele, but can pass. Um, which, uh, you know, maybe not the highest praise uh, comparing him to a player that we're, we're constantly disappointed by. Not because of a lack of talent by any stretch, but he just seems to not really put it together or, or put it to use as often as you think he would be able to. Or much like he did the first year we had him, um, which was the, the Bale breakout year where he just dominated, particularly Manchester United, who I mentioned we face first. Uh, very concerned for that. Um, you know, I asked Steve who I thought they were going to line up with against Manchester United, or sorry, who Arsenal were going to line up uh, match day one for Tottenham. Uh, like I said, I want Trippier in there. I want Trippier, Alderweireld, Vertonghen, and Rose, hopefully. Uh, I really don't know who we're going to put next to Bentaleb. It might be Mason, but he's recovering from an injury. Um, we're still waiting for, for uh, Lamela to come back. So maybe we'll see somebody else on the wing. Uh, maybe Timo Werner, if we end up getting him. That would be great. But uh, anyway, I, I very much echo Jim's concerns that the, that the season is just 10 days away. Um, obviously would have liked to win uh, against the, the MLS All-Star team. But once we started making halftime changes and kind of bringing on the kids, we weren't really expecting much. Uh, and I guess once the expectations dropped, it, it allowed us to really appreciate what was going on. And it was great atmosphere. Uh, it was. It was sold out. And, and there was about three sections of Spurs fans that were singing their hearts out from minute one till the end. So that was a, a very fun experience. Wish the result had been different. Nervous about the Manchester United match. But all in all, a pretty solid experience. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. All right, and on to the topic today, which is which of the promoted teams do you think have the best chance to stay up? Obviously, we're adding Watford and Bournemouth and welcoming back Norwich to the Premier League. So, guys, which of those guys do you think really has the best chance of staying up this year? Um, well, it's a bit of a lottery. I think it's, it, predicting is, it, is all good fun, but at the end of the day, until we've seen the teams play, um, then it... It could be a bit of a shock come the uh, come the end of the season. Um, for instance, last season everybody was writing Southampton off um, because they'd sold their players and they nearly got relegated. And uh, but at the same time, people were saying that teams such as Leicester, for instance, wouldn't have a chance either because they'd find it difficult coming into the Premier League. I think for um, for promoted sides, it is a difficult league to come into. So. If I had to predict, which you're making me do, um, I'm going to base it purely on experience in the Premier League. Um, Norwich were in the Premier League relatively recently with 
uh, some of the same squad that they still have. So they sort of know what to expect from it. So although, you know, they were relatively late arrivals on the scene for promotion last season, I think they've got a good, as good a chance as any of them uh, of staying up next season. Um, likewise, Watford, it was a few years beforehand, but there might still be people around the club who know what to expect from the Premier League, which unfortunately means that as much as they came up on a wave of enthusiasm, and it's a great story for them to be in the Premier League, I can't see Bournemouth surviving just because they have no experience in top tier. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if they ever have, but I'm, they probably have at some point, but I'm not a football historian. Um but uh, I just can't see them surviving. And I think what they will have to do is obviously play to the best of their ability. And, you know, perhaps they can do, they can surprise people. But at the same time, if they have a contingency plan in a, very much the same way that West Brom sort of used to do, where they knew they might go down so they didn't spend too much money and then they can use the parachute payments, which are getting bigger, bigger every year, to build their squad up in the championship and, and, and perhaps take advantage of it the following year. Um, so if I had to predict, as I say, uh, I would say what? Um, sorry, Norwich have the best chance of staying up purely because they have recent experience in the league. Jim, do you agree with that? Um, I'm kind of struggling this year because it's as as uh, Steve said, it, it's difficult to know until you you see the teams in action. But as someone who's job it is essentially on a day-to-day basis to make predictions I kind of have to force myself to um, to look at it from a few different angles I think it's really interesting this year because a lot of the years you've got teams that come back up like Norwich but Norwich have got a different manager this time around and you know the three managers that are uh, coming in with the promoted teams in in Eddie Howe, uh, Flores at um, Watford and, and Alex Neal at Norwich none of them have got any kind of that top level Premier League experience, so it's it could be an absolute lottery. Um, even though Norwich have have been in the Premier League relatively recently, and, and as Steve pointed out, may have people still at the club, and obviously have still got players that have played in that squad. Um, the fact that they've got a manager and their run to the to the promotion uh, place that they they eventually got was kind of astronomic. The second half of the season, they were nowhere near at, at Christmas New Year time, and just had an absolutely brilliant second half of the year. Um, so whether they can carry that through into into the Premier League and and kind of stave off relegation is is going to be interesting. Um, Watford are a bit of a weird one because they've got this kind of arrangement through the Pozzo family with Udinese and Granada, um, and you'd hope they've got experience from those clubs to kind of draw on. Although they are different leagues, you know, operating at, at a high level, especially in Udinese's case, um, in the not too distant past might serve them quite well. Um, I'm a big fan of Eddie Howe. I think he could be England manager after um, Roy Hodgson if he wants to be. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how he copes because he's going to be younger than some of the players he's, you know, playing his team are playing against this year. Um, so that is, is a really big step up for him. And obviously he did leave Bournemouth to go to Burnley um, with the, the ambition of kicking on into the into the next level. Um, that didn't go very well for him at Turf Moor. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see now, a couple of years later, how he gets on with this Bournemouth team that he's essentially gone back to. Um, I actually think Bournemouth have got the best chance of staying up. I think the squad that they've got is quite good. I think they've made some decent summer acquisitions as well. 
Um, and I think with Eddie Howe, they've got a manager who's so meticulous and, and you know talented that I think he actually gives them the edge over uh, Watford, despite their kind of wider reach um, and Norwich in terms of their experience. So if I had to, to plump for one out of the three, I think it would probably be Bournemouth. Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking as well. I think that the additions of of Atsu, who they got, you know, obviously on loan, is obviously a very good player. I don't really know much about Tyrone Mings. I know that many in the fantasy community are, are raving that he's a value in that. I personally, can't speak much to that, but a lot of people are fans. Uh, and Sylvan Distan, I, I know he's kind of older, <laughs> kind of. He's much older, but um, I think really would offer a lot of kind of solidity at the back and. Bring back Archer Boric, who, you know, was uh, definitely a fun watch as a keeper uh, last stint in the Premier League with Southampton. Watford is a strange one for me. I kind of vacillate day to day on whether or not I think they've done really good business or if they're kind of doing a QPR and bringing in a whole lot of experienced players from abroad that maybe won't be able to really fit together as, as, a, as a unit. Um, I really like, in theory, the Kapu Behrami... Uh, midfield duo. That there's obviously a lot of talent there. I think Kapu is much better than than he. Well, that's not really fair. Than he showed at Tottenham because he really didn't get much of a chance. And and I'm not really sure Pochettino's system favored him much to begin with. Uh, but he's a very talented player. Obviously, he used to be a French international before he came to us. Um, I think he can do very well there. Uh, obviously, they've added a lot of players throughout the whole squad. Um, you know, Jim, we talked a little bit beforehand that maybe Leicester were going to try to poach Troy Deeney, but probably not. Um, Matej Vidra, who had a pretty decent season with West Brom up in the Premier League a while ago, is another one. Uh, they brought in Bergeroui, or however you want to say that, the Dutch winger, uh, who's very talented as well. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with their squad. I, I honestly don't think there's going to be much of a middle ground. I think it'll either click and they'll finish closer to 15 than to really that really tough relegation battle area or it'll go really badly and they'll be 20th um, much like it's happened to QPR in the past so that's an interesting one for me I do like Steve's points on Norwich uh, that, that they are kind of the experienced side here that they have a lot of players still remaining from the, the Premier League teams I think they just signed Robbie Brady uh, from Hall which gives them another player that, that was recently in the Premier League which is very important I just think they need to add more throughout the squad I, maybe it's just kind of comparing them to these other uh, two teams where uh, they've made more moves and Norwich have kind of been sitting on their hands a bit but um, you know it is the, mostly their Premier League squad so uh, you know with the likes of Nathan Redmond coming through who always just terrorizes Tottenham whenever we, we played him back when they were still in the Premier League uh, under the venerable Chris Hewton um, I think I I honestly think that all three legitimately have a shot at staying up, but I am going to side with Jim and think Bournemouth have the best chance, uh, and then Watford and Norwich are kind of two A and two B for me. Uh, so you know, sure. not going to make you guys decide what's going to happen, but then I'm going to sit on the fence. <laughs> make you decide. See if I care. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, we still have a little bit left, so uh, we're going to briefly touch on. Uh, Preseason. I know each of us touched on a little bit of our preseason action, but uh, which player has impressed you most for the? It, which player has impressed you most during the preseason, and do you think can really kind of have an impactful year for your club? Uh, well, looking at it from the point of view of the players who you would expect to be playing at the highest level, um, all the usual names would be there. Özil's been um, playing pretty well. Ramsey's been playing well. 
Um, so kind of thinking about this, I've, I've looked at it in terms of who surprised me by how well they've played uh, and who looks like they could break into that. You know, I said we've got strength in depth and those are names you've all heard. Wilshire, Ramsey, Ozil, Cthulhu. Um, but pre-season, uh, everybody's been talking about two particularly youngsters at Arsenal, uh, one of whom is Tuba Akpom, um, who's been around for a little while. Um, and he scored a hat-trick in the first game against the Singapore eleven. OK, Singapore eleven, fair enough. But he, he did play very well in that game. So uh, he could be one to watch. And I, it doesn't look, alike, doesn't look like at the moment he's going to be going out on loan again this season. Um, so he might be on the fringes there or thereabouts. Uh, and the person that everybody's raving about, um, possibly slightly over the top, it's almost as if we could just field him and nobody else. Kind of is a bit like, um, it's, it kind of reminds me of, of Gareth Bale in his last year at Tottenham a little bit, Kev, the way people are reacting to him mm. um, early doors. And that's this uh, Jeff Rayner Adelaide. I don't know if you guys have heard about the hysteria. Um, that he's caused during his appearances in the Emirates Cup. Not so much. <laughs> no, no, fair enough. Um, well, he played in both Emirates Cup games, uh, 17 years old. We signed him for, I think it was 1.75 million from Lens in France. Um, he played very well in the first game, but didn't. it didn't have much um, of a role. Just did what he did quite well. Occasionally, his uh, decision-making was a little bit off. But in the second game, he absolutely, um, well, didn't leave him flat on his backside as such, but he did this little drag back around the proposed 40 million signing Kevin De Bruyne for Manchester City, left him with his back turned and nowhere to go, uh, played a beautiful pass into Theo Walcott to score the only goal of the game. So if he can live up to that sort of potential, then he could well be a name that, that kind of forces himself into the first team plans this season. Apparently, he's going to be tra- training with the first team and not the young- younger team, uh, younger teams, um, because he's already quite physically well developed. He's not like one of these, um, someone like, uh, for instance, Sonogo when he arrived was basically just sticks. Um, Rain Adelaide has, has actually got a little bit of physicality to him, and it showed immediately when he came on in that um, in that Emirates Cup game. So, uh, so yeah, if, if he lives up to the promise um, and can improve his decision-making, he's quick, he's versatile, has played all the way across the front line and all the way across midfield at various points while growing up. Um, so, uh, so yeah, Tuba Akpom um, and Jeff Rayner Adelaide, both of whom have excellent names, so keep an eye out for them. Jim, who's impressed you most for, for Leicester during this off-season? Um... I was just thinking, I was trying to think of a... I think the player that I'd go for um, is Jamie Vardy. I think he's looked really sharp. Um, he scored a couple of goals the other night against Burton um, in a pre-season friendly. And I think on the whole, he just looks like he's he's trying to take his game you know, onto that next level. Everyone knew what he was about next year. And I think one of the key things for him is that he won't have that surprise element where everyone won't be surprised that he's harrying defenders and really closing down from the front and trying to be difficult to play against um, and not giving defenders the easy pass. So I think I think the, the thing for him this year is to add goals to his game. It sounds stupid for a striker, but at the end of the day, he, he you know, he was I think he scored five league goals last year, which in, in isn't his whole game. He's not all about goals. 
for a striker. Um, that's quite unusual. But his his play and he, the way he brings others into play and his pace does add. He, he has more to his game than than just the goal scoring. But I think if he wants to kick on to the next level, which I'm sure he does, given his progression and kind of rapid progression from non-league to Premier League in the space of two and a half years, um, he'll need to add... Um, more goals to his game so hopefully he is the player that kind of steps us up for us this year there's going to be a lot of competition up front at the end of the day he you know he was a one million pound signing and he's now up against three players where we've paid in the region of eight to nine million euros for um over the last 18 months so you've got uh leo Ujoa, you've got andre kramrich and um you've got shinji Ozaki as well, who you know is a big money acquisition relatively uh, uh, for our club anyway. Um, maybe not in the grand scheme of the Premier League, but he's got he's got work to do to prove to a, a manager who wouldn't necessarily know a lot about him before he came in. Um, the, the others probably come with with more reputation, especially especially Cramrich with the fact that Chelsea were sniffing around uh, before we we bought him. So. He's probably got that whole reputation to build up again with the management, as opposed to with Nigel Pearson, who knew exactly what he was about and brought him in for that reason. Um, I've also just um, seen a, a few bits on, online that we might actually be about to sign a central midfielder. So maybe the club have heard my call and desperate plea for some Cambiasso-shaped <laughs> void to be filled. Um, apparently, we're close to agreeing personal terms with Ngolo Kante from um, from Cannes for about €8 million. Euros. So by the time this comes out, it may well be official that we've um, we've brought the, the French midfielder in. So I'm quite pleased with that. I'm feeling considerably happier now than I did about 45 minutes ago when we started recording and we didn't have a central midfielder. <laughs> worth his salt or even one being heavily linked. Yeah, so um, fingers crossed that goes over the line. It's probably going to fall through now. He's probably end up going to Aston Villa like everybody else that we've been linked to, but never know. Um, so yeah, Jamie Vardy to push on into double figures hopefully this year. That would be great for all fantasy people out there that are looking for a, a kind of cheaper striker option as well. Um, for Tottenham, uh, we haven't really had much of a preseason to speak of. Um, this was the first like fully open match that we've played. The other ones have been behind closed doors, mostly against lower league sides. Uh, and so I'm just going to kind of stick with what I said before, which is Kieran Trippier just looked absolutely immense with... With all of our players kind of coming back, we already know LaMela and Chadley both like to be closer to the box than actually outside kind of sending crosses in. So we kind of have those three. We always have Ericsson trailing. So the thought that we can have somebody that's actually competent and sending a ball in from the right uh, is, is kind of a mouthwatering uh, preposition. You know, not thinking we're going <laughs> to go back to Harry football or, or, or the times of big-time Timmy Jim, uh, Tim Sherwood, and, and see if... Uh, we're just going to lump balls into the box and see what happens. Not not wanting to see that, but I think it offers us a, an added dynamic that we didn't necessarily have last year, especially from that right side. Um, so very excited about that. Uh, Vimmer looked decent when he came on yesterday as well. Also, like I said, like the look of Alderweireld, but we already knew that. I mean, there are very few people that are going to be listening to an off-season football podcast that don't know that Toby Alderweireld is a very good center back. Um but yeah, those are the most exciting, and obviously Della Ali is the most exciting of the kids, uh, and and looks like he's really almost ready to push on uh, for first team football. There was news coming out of the camp that uh, he was out doing Bentaleb in training, and Bentaleb is where he is now because of his impact in training. So uh, it's a very exciting proposition going forward. But I'm going to go with 
uh, Kieran Trippier, who who just sends a devilish crosses all the time, and, and I'm very excited to see him do that uh, throughout the season. All right, this one was a little shorter, but we are out of time. So if you have any projects you'd like to plug, or if you want to tell people where to reach you, now would be a good time. Uh, yeah, thank you very much for listening. As ever, you can find me at Find Pub Sport on Twitter and Facebook, uh, and you can find local pubs uh, in which to watch the new Premier League season starting in 10 days uh, on findpubsport.com. I can't wait, personally. I don't know about you guys. Thanks for listening, guys. Um, I've been Jim. You can find me uh, on Twitter at JimKnight88. You can find my betting-related ramblings at goal.com, and I'm doing some stuff for uh, wheelofbetting.co.uk as well, so looking forward to the new season. Um, I am getting very excited about it now as a, as a kind of a football fan. Um, so, yeah, hopefully over the next 10 days it will go relatively quickly. Leicester will make loads of signings, and then uh, the new football season will be upon us. Yeah, I'm a little terrified uh, because there's so much to do before the season starts. But at 7.45 Eastern time, Tottenham are going to kick off against Manchester United. And there's nothing else that Tottenham or I can do to prepare. Uh, and so that moment will be very fun. But uh, until then, um, I'll have a lot of stuff coming out uh, through Play Taga. And I'll have some more fantasy stuff coming out through them. And also through Jay next week. Uh, we'll have two more of these preseason podcasts before the one. Uh, not this Sunday, but the following, which will be recapping match week one of Premier League action, which that part is obviously very exciting. I'm just <laughs> a little bit worried about all the stuff that has to be done before then. Um, but yeah, as always, if you'd like to reach me, I'm on Twitter at Kevroff. If you'd like to reach the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. All right, thanks so much for joining us, guys. It was a pleasure as always, and we hope you keep listening. Thank you.